Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to CNN Town Halls and Debates, your direct source to the people shaping your world. It's a forum for you to get answers to the tough questions and better understand the issues that matter to you. We're bringing this episode to you uncut and unfiltered, straight from the national stage. And it all starts right here, right now, on CNN. This is a CNN Town Hall event. Good evening. I'm Jake Tapper. We are here with the Speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi. Today, Speaker Pelosi said that the House of Representatives will proceed with articles of impeachment against President Trump. Madam Speaker, thank you so much for taking our our questions on this somber and historic day. You just launched this process that will likely likely make President Trump the third president in history uh, to be impeached. Uh, We're potentially two weeks away from that moment. That move would put President Trump on trial in the Senate next month. Senators would then get to vote either to acquit or to convict the president, which would result in his removal from office. Uh, Our audience is eager to ask you a lot of questions about this impeachment and the importance of this moment. Our questioners currently live in the battleground states of Virginia and Pennsylvania, as well as as Maryland and Washington, D.C. You're going to hear from them in in one second. But I I do want to start uh, with a couple questions of my own, if if I can be so brave. Uh, And and that is, um, you said this morning that, that President Trump, in your view, abused his power and that, in your view, he he violated the Constitution. So do you believe that the president should be impeached? I believe that we should uh, introduce articles of impeachment. This is a very uh, sad day, I think, for our country. It's something that I would hope we could have avoided. But the president's actions made it necessary. Uh, You cannot violate the Constitution in full view The facts are clear. They were presented by uh, the people who had access to the situation. Facts are clear. The Constitution is clear. The president violated the Constitution. And so I think it is important for us to proceed. If we were not to proceed, it would say to any president, any future president, whoever she or he may be, Democratic or Republican, that our democracy is gone. The president is king. He can do whatever he wants in violation of the law in ignoring the acts of Congress, undermining our system of checks and balances. Mm -hmm. That is the genius of the Constitution. So for me, you know, there are many uh, other incidences uh, that people interpreted as being impeachable. I think when it came to Ukraine, in my view, Ukraine is very all about Russia because withholding or granting military assistance to Ukraine was all to the benefit of Russia to hold up that aid. And there was something different about that, because earlier this year you talked about how you thought, when you were opposing impeachment, you said you thought that the president was trying to go to the House into impeachment in order to, to rally his base. There's something different about this moment that makes you think that he's not doing that? Well, his goading is one thing. His violation of the Constitution challenging us to honor our oath of office. We take the oath. It's the first order of business to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. The president's oath is to preserve, protect and defend the Constitution. He's not doing that. And this is this is about our country. Uh, At the beginning of the revolution, in the dark days of the revolution, Thomas Paine said the times have found us. Times found them to declare independence, to fight a war of independence, to start a country. And the beauty of what they started were our founding documents. Thank God they made the Constitution amendable so we could expand freedom well beyond what they did Mm -hmm. then. But in that Constitution, the genius of it all was a system of checks and balances. They did not want a monarch. They did not want a president king. 
That's what they fought the war against. The president said, one is the legislative branch. Article two is the executive branch. The president said, Article two says I can do whatever I want. So for me, this is about honoring our oath of office, making sure that the Constitution mm-hmm. is respected. And it's, it's about that and how he has ignored uh, the subpoenas of Congress, the oversight of Congress. Something very strange there that there hasn't been an intervention among some of his own people. And we'll get to some of those questions about the subjects you raised. Uh, I do want to ask you, though, there was an intense moment this morning when you uh, spoke to reporters. A reporter asked you if you uh, hated President Trump, if that was the motivation uh, for impeachment. You said you don't hate anybody. And you also said, don't mess with me when it comes to words like that, the word hate. Can you can you share why that seemed to elicit such a strong response from you? Was that a reporter? Is that uh, what reporters do? He's, Is that he, what reporters do? Well, I'm In not going to comment event. on that, but it was yes, a reporter with uh, Sinclair News. Yes, Sinclair. Is that a news story? Uh, the, um, I was raised a Catholic. My college roommate, Rita Meyer, and my college classmate, Mary Beta, are here with me. We, we were raised, and my dear husband, Paul, and Danny, our friend, Susan, we were raised in, in a Catholic faith, and the word hate a person was just, that just didn't happen. You know, the word hate is a terrible word, but you might reserve it for vanilla ice cream or something like that, but not, I'm a chocoholic, but not for a person. And it is, um, so for him to say that was really disgusting to me. And of course he was quoting somebody else. Congressman Collins, Republican on the judiciary. But I I, I think that it's a technique, a tactic that they use. Uh, I rather like to think that America is a country that is full of love. Whatever we think about, whatever somebody else might believe that might be different from us, that that's not, that isn't a reason to dislike somebody. It's a reason to disagree with somebody. And our founders, if you can have a little coal, our founders um, Some water here if you want. gave us guidance. They said, e pluribus unum, from many one. They couldn't imagine how many we would be or how different we would be from each other. But they knew that we had to strive for oneness. So whatever our differences that we tried to resolve them in a way that was unifying for our country. That's what we hope to do even uh, with this uh, uh, unfortunate uh, necessity, made necessary by the president's actions in this uh, impeachment, to try to do it in a way that makes us worthy of our oath of office as we honor uh, the uh, vows of our founders to unify our country. Um, If you want some water, by the way, you're right here. Um, I do want to ask you one last question, and then we'll go to um, uh, some of the audience members. President Trump um, referred to that moment from your press conference uh, as a nervous fit. Um, And then he said, you said that you pray for the president. You've said that before. Uh, He said uh, he doesn't believe that you pray for him, quote, not even close. Um, I do. And I want to give you a chance to respond. First of all... I hope we don't have too many questions for me. No, no, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's the only tweet question. The, the president is a master at projecting. When he calls somebody else nervous, he's the nervous one. When he suspects that somebody's not praying, he's probably not praying. But I do pray for him because he is the president of the United States, and I pray that God will open his heart uh, to meeting the needs of people in our country, whether it's, it's like today they're taking food stamps away from people, or was that yesterday? whether it's our dreamers, whether it's the children at the border that they were putting in cages, separating from their families. Please, God, please, God, open his heart to receive uh, the goodness that it would take to, uh, to share with these people. Also, I pray for his health and for his safety and for his family. I do all the time. But it doesn't bother me what he thinks about that. All the more reason to pray for him. Uh, I want to bring in our first questioner of the night. Uh, Her name is Naya Stewart. She's a Democrat from Frederick, Maryland. She's a freshman at the University of Maryland. Naya. Go Terps. How about last night? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Some argue that the 2020 election is a better process for removing the president from office. What made you decide to continue with impeachment proceedings despite it being so close to the election? Well, it's a whole year and a couple of more months for the president to be in office. And I appreciate your question. The, here's the thing. One of, these, what, one of the things that the president did was to undermine um, 
jeopardize the integrity of our elections by asking a foreign power to intervene. You know what the ask was to announce an investigation into uh, his potential rival. And if he isn't stopped from doing that, he will continue. He invited invited intervention. Come, Come on in. The intelligence community says they're completely certain uh, that the Russians disrupted our election in 2016, that they are 24-7 doing it all the time. Uh, and so when the president is saying, well, the Ukrainians actually did it, you know that their conspiracy theory and the rest, that has to be stopped. Because what the president, one of his grievances, his offenses, is that he was jeopardizing the integrity of our election, and we could not let him continue to do that without holding him accountable for it. Um, let me ask a follow-up uh, to Naya's excellent question. Some recent battleground states... Thank you, Naya. Uh, po- polls in some recent battleground states show more voters in those states oppose impeaching and removing the president than support it. A slim majority, but still a majority. If you wake up the day after Election Day 2020 and exit polls show that impeaching President Trump helped him get reelected, would you have any regrets? No. Others, this isn't about politics at all. This is about patriotism. It's not about partisanship. It's about honoring our oath of office. This is the first president has committed all of these things, as, as the constitutional experts said yesterday, nobody ever has even come close, not Richard Nixon, even came close uh, to his uh, uh, dishonoring his own oath of office. So no, this isn't, a politics is not even a consideration in this. This is about protect and defend the Constitution. I truly believe, and I and you too, I truly believe that the times have found us to save our democracy, defend our democracy for the people. If we didn't, we would no longer. When, when, um, when September 17, 1787 was the day that the Constitution was ratified, was adopted, when Benjamin Franklin came out on the steps of Independence Hall, they said, what do we have, Mr. Franklin? He said, a republic. Well, they said, a monarchy or a republic. He said, a republic, if you can keep it. Well, this is a challenge to that republic, because allowed, left to his own devices, this president is taking us away from a system of checks and balances. Article 2, he says, said, I can do whatever I want, I repeat. That's not what Article, that's not what the Constitution says. And so for him to ignore the oversight and the, uh, the questions of Congress, for him to take money appropriated by the House and the Senate in a bipartisan way for a, a military assistance uh, to Ukraine, which was a country under assault, is a country under assault from Russia, but then it was 11,000, probably 13,000 people now killed by Russian aggression, and he's withholding the, the funds that could help them defend themselves. It, it's, it's a wrong thing to do, but you don't. But in the course of doing it, the president, again, has violated his oath. Uh, the next question is from uh, Damilola Arroalaju. He's a Democrat from Madison, Illinois. He's a law student at uh, GW. Uh, Damilola? What type of information must be uncovered to convince Republicans to break party lines and vote to convict the president in the Senate? And what type of information, if not already uncovered, does the public need for the 2020 election to become a referendum on President Trump's guilt? Well, thank you for your question. I don't know what it will take. The, the, uh, uh, the facts are pretty clear about what the president did. And the Constitution is very clear about how he has violated it. But I don't think that the, uh, the 2020 election is going to ride on this, uh, having nothing to do with a decision to go or not. Everything we see is the most important issue uh, for the American people is health care. It still is. And so that's why we're so happy. News of the day for us today was we announced our HR3 legislation to reduce the cost of prescription drugs. We'll have it on the floor next week. We're very, very proud of it. It's transformational in so many ways, which I'll go into if you wish me to. But I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'll tell you this. Um, 
There are many court cases, and some reporters keep saying, well, why don't you wait for the court cases? Well, we have the court cases because the president is obstructing justice by appealing everything to the courts, and then the courts have ruled in our favor overwhelmingly. We appeal it to a higher court, and now some of those cases are up to the um, Supreme Court, and then we'll see how long they will take uh, to respond. So some of that information... If the courts, we'll see, again, first, second levels have come out in our favor, some of that information may be out by the time uh, the Senate takes up the case, if, in fact, we do impeach the president in the House of Representatives, would be, um, might, some of that information might be so, uh, I think it's very clear now, I think it's so overwhelming that to ignore it would be derelict in our own duty. Uh, I can't answer for the Republicans. They have taken an oath to Donald Trump. So uh, just to uh, jump off of what Damilola asked, uh, uh, you, as you recall, no doubt, on the day you became Speaker of the House in January of this year, uh, you were asked about impeachment and you said that it would have it would, quote, have to be so clearly bipartisan in terms of acceptance of it. But as you just noted, there are no Republicans in the House who support either the impeachment inquiry and it appears as though none of them are going to support impeachment itself. Does this mean that you're failing to meet the standard that you set in January? No, I'm saying the, fa- the Republicans have failed to meet the standard of honoring their oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. Are you willing to impeach President Trump even if there are no Republican votes in the House in favor of it? I've asked for the uh, writing of the articles of impeachment. Okay. Um, let's uh, bring in Dean Chen from Santa Monica, California. He's a registered Democrat. He's a senior at Johns Hopkins University. He's oh. the president of the Student Government Association. Wow. Uh, uh, Dean. I'm from Baltimore, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Speaker Pelosi, uh, you resisted calls for the impeachment of President Bush in 2006 and President Trump following the Mueller report earlier this year. Uh, this time is different. Uh, why, did you impose, why did you oppose impeachment in the past? And what is your obligation to protect our democracy from the actions of our president now? Thank you. Uh, Thank you for bringing up the question about, because when I became speaker the first time, there was overwhelming call for me to impeach President Bush on the strength of the war in Iraq, which I vehemently opposed. And again, I again, I, I say again, I said, said at other places, I, I, that was my wheelhouse. I was intelligence. I was the ranking member on the Intelligence Committee uh, even before I became part of the leadership, a gang of four. So I knew there were no nuclear weapons in Iraq. It just wasn't there. They had to show us, they had to show the gang of four all the intelligence they had. The intelligence did not show that uh, that, that was the case. So I knew it was a, a misrepresentation to the public. But having said that, it was a, in my view, uh, not a grounds for impeachment. Uh, that was, they won the election, they made a representation, and to this day, people think, people think that, um, that it was the right thing to do. The people think that Iraq had something to do with 9-11. I mean, it's as appalling what they did. Uh, but I did, and I said, if somebody wants to make a case, you bring it forward. Uh, but I, I, they had impeached Bill Clinton for personal indiscretion and misrepresenting about it. Impeached him. Some of these same people are saying, oh, this doesn't rise to impeachment. We're the, right there impeaching Bill Clinton uh, for, uh, for being stupid in terms of uh, uh, something like that. <laughs> I mean, I love him. I think he was a great president. But being stupid in terms of that and, and, and what would somebody do not to embarrass their family. But in any event, um, and that's so they did. Bill Clinton... Now they want me to do George. I just didn't want it to be a way of life in our country. As far as the Mueller report, uh, there, there was a, a good deal of academics said, and a thousand, a thousand legal experts wrote a statement that said the Mueller report uh, is an impeach. What's in there is an impeachable offense. It wasn't um, so much of what's in the Mueller report will be more clear once some of the court cases are resolved. But it wasn't so clear uh, to the public. The Ukraine just removed all doubt. It was self-evident that the president uh, 
undermined our national security, jeopardized the integrity of our elections as he violated his oath of office. There's just, you, you, that's something that cannot be ignored. Jumping off of Dean's question, um, you said this morning, Madam Speaker, that your chairman uh, will make recommendations yeah. on what the articles of impeachment should be. So if the Judiciary Committee chairman, Gerald Nadler, recommends that the articles of impeachment do include obstruction of justice charges from the Mueller report, will you go forward with that or would you stand in his we're, way? We're, uh, we're operating collectively. It's not going to be um, somebody put something on the table. It, we have our own, uh, shall we say, um, communication with each other. Okay. So I'm not going to answer one, with all due respect, I'm not going to answer one charge. We're not writing the, uh, the articles of impeachment here tonight. All right. Stay right there. We're going to be right back with more questions for the Speaker of the House on this historic somber day, Nancy Pelosi, after this quick break. Stay with us. After the break, more from CNN town halls and debates. Stay tuned. Welcome back. We are live in Washington, D.C. for a town hall with Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi on this historic uh, day. Uh, Speaker Pelosi, um, I want to ask you a quick question because the president's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani traveled overseas this week, uh, including to Ukraine, to continue investigating these unfounded allegations about the Bidens. Um, in a tweet just hours ago, Giuliani said that until this matter is resolved, it, quote, will be a major obstacle to the U.S. assisting Ukraine with its anti-corruption reforms, unquote. He vowed to release his findings very soon. Uh, what do you make of Giuliani's efforts in Ukraine, continued efforts? I have... I'm a busy person. Today we prepared our Voting Rights Act that we're going to bring to the floor tomorrow. We're very excited about it. We uh, announced our, our HR3, our voting, our, our lowering prescription drugs, HR3, Voting Rights Act, HR4. Uh, we're working on our U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement. We're trying to do a defense bill. I don't have time to keep track of Rudy Giuliani. I, I, just, I just don't. But I do think... That it is further indication of the arrogance of it all. Every uh, authority has said there is no truth to the rumor that the Ukrainians uh, were instrumental in interfering in our election. Putin makes a joke of it. He says, oh, now, they, now they're blaming it on Ukraine. They took it off of me. But all roads lead to Putin. This is about Putin, right from Putin, in Russia, in Moscow, Putin's desk the disruption of our elections, but not only ours. They want to undermine democracy throughout the world. They're in Latin America, they're in Africa, in Europe, in the United States to undermine democracy. They have a program to say, why would you even vote? Nobody cares about you. This is their social media um, activity. Uh, and so to, and it's in their interest to undermine democracy. So in my view, if that's what he's doing, I don't know what he's doing, but if that's what you say he's doing is to, uh, to uh, charge Ukraine with interfering in our election, which has been completely debunked, uh, then I think that he is, again, playing right to Putin's success. Uh, let's uh, uh, bring in uh, Laura Catmander, who's from Ardmore, where I used to scoop ice cream at the uh, Baskin-Robbins there, just yeah. so you know. Uh, Pennsylvania, Ardmore, Pennsylvania. She's a, a communication strategist and a Democratic committee member in Haverford Township. Laura. Thank you. And thank you, Speaker Pelosi. Thank you. If Donald Trump is reelected and continues to behave corruptly and with a disregard for truth, human dignity, and the law, what recourse will the House have since the impeachment process will already have taken place. What will the checks be on this president if he is reelected? Let's not even contemplate that. <laughs> because that it, the, 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 really, the uh, damage that this administration has done to America, America's a great country we can sustain. Two terms, I don't know. Here's, here's what it is. We all pray that God will bless America. And what is America? America is our constitution with our system of checks and balances, our uh, Bill of Rights, spelling out freedoms, freedom of the press, etc. That is America. What is America? Are the people who are, we are. By, unless you're 
blessed to be born a Native American, as it's a blessing to you and all who know and love you and to our country, we are a nation of immigrants. And he denigrates that, dishonors the Constitution, denigrates who we are as a people, degrades our environment almost every day, almost every day, the air children breathe, water, all of it, uh, in denial about the climate crisis and the rest. And, and, and what is America? It's a great, beautiful place from sea to shining sea, which he degrades. And what is America? Our values, our values of what we care about as a, a nation, a model, a beacon of hope to the world. And he devalues that. So, again, we don't agonize, we organize. And we do so in a way that, again, is unifying for our country. It is absolutely imperative. Civilization, as we know it today, is at stake in the next election, and certainly our planet. I uh, just came back, I was mentioning that I just came back from Spain. I was there for 48 hours for the climate uh, crisis, the COP25, which uh, 15, 14 of us, members of Congress, one of them a senator, Senator Whitehouse, a champion on climate issues. And what have we done? We've pulled out of the Paris Accord. We, uh, we went back to say, we're still in. We're still in. Nearly 200 nations are in, except not the United States of America. So it is, uh, it's just strange. I mean, it is a uh, it is not about shared values, about what America is, or fairness in our economy and the rest. We have important work to do. And our candidates, I'm very proud of all of them, they, they'll be putting forth, as soon as it emerges, I mean, narrows down, we'll see a vision that one of them has, whoever she or he may be, to take us forward in a way uh, that is values-based, uh, that is entrepreneurial in its thinking, that is fair. And, and its uh, economic uh, proposals and understands uh, that the, one of the challenges generationally to us and in an existential way is the challenge to the planet that we face. I want to bring in Ethan Tuttle from Brookville, Maryland. He's a registered Democrat. He's a sophomore at the University of Maryland studying finance. And he was an intern for Congressman Eric Swalwell, your fellow uh, California Democrat. Ethan? Who also went to University of Maryland. Oh. Eric Swalwell did. But you, that's uh, <laughs> Swalwell trivia. <laughs> Thanks. Why are lawful subpoenas allowed to be ignored without consequence? And what steps will the House be taking to ensure they have the full cooperation of those with critical information related to the impeachment investigation? Well, as you see, uh, the, uh, when we have issued the subpoenas, the president has, they have objected and taken it to court. And we have, have won... As I mentioned earlier, at every level in the courts now, we're waiting for some decisions from the Supreme Court as to whether they're going to take up these cases or not. We won just the Deutsche Bank case with the president's financial statements, the Mazur case, the McCann case, and that. Article 3 of the Nixon impeachment was that he did not respect the subpoenas of Congress. So the president, in some ways, is self-impeaching because he is obstructing judges, justice by not uh, honoring the subpoenas. But that is what is... This is such an important question because Congress, in the system of checks and balances, the oversight that Congress has as a check and balance on the executive branch is manifested in oversight. And when that oversight sees reason for wrongdoing and issues a subpoena... That's part of the checks and balances that the president, sadly, is ignoring. And that is, that's the, the crux of the matter. We either are a republic or we are a monarchy. You ignore any question. George Washington had to issue, respond to Congress. Abraham Lincoln had to respond to Congress. So let me just follow up on Ethan's question because you've called uh, the White House's decision to fight the subpoenas obstruction of justice uh, they see it as separation of powers. Um, you say you're not going to wait on the courts to proceed. Why is it obstruction of justice for them to go to the courts, which is obviously, as you just noted, a co-equal branch of government, and have they, the, the courts be the final arbiter? Well, it, it is a, the, the point is, is that 
this is information they should be making available to Congress. This is, shouldn't be about the courts. And in fact, Richard Nixon, then he, he in other words, some of the issue, some of the court stuff is about do we have access uh, to um, uh, grand jury information, which would be elucidating in terms of some of the actions they've taken. They won't let us see that. That's in the courts. But even Richard Nixon said, yes, have access to the court. Um, President Trump has said uh, that if there's a Senate trial, uh, which there likely will be if the president is impeached, he would like uh, you and Chairman Adam Schiff to testify, to be to be to to have to give testimony in a Senate trial. (laughs) Would you be willing to testify if it meant that people you want to hear from, such as Mick Mulvaney, the acting chief of staff, or, or John Bolton, the former national security advisor, would also have to testify. If there's some sort of deal cut, would you be willing to do so? It has nothing to do. They should be testifying because they have been asked to testify by Congress. It isn't a deal. It's about a system of checks and balances. Can we not have any more questions about impeachment? We have so many. Let me tell you about Spain and the COP25. We do have a question about the environment. And the young people who were there uh, impatient about what comes next. We're going to get to, I have one last question on impeachment for you. And uh, and then, (laughs) no, I promise you I have an environmental question. I probably have other issues. I don't mind any question about it, but to ask me questions through the prism of the White House is like, what? Yes, sir. Well, let me introduce him. If, if I may, let me introduce you. Uh, uh, Jin Wang is a registered Republican from Fairfax, Virginia. He's a senior at the University uh, of Maryland. Jin Oh, my gosh. Speaker Another Pelosi, term. I'm sorry I'm asking this question, but um, please bear with me. Um, as, seen from the, um, um, his, as seen from the political atmosphere right now, you've seen that the um, United States has become extremely divided. And this question is about how we can unify moving forward. While one side finds it appalling that the president has not been impeached yet, the other side considers it a witch hunt to be trying to impeach the sitting, uh, sitting president. president. Um, how do you plan on unifying the uh, nation if the, um, throughout the uh, impeachment process? And what advice do you have for the politician who will succeed you on the keeping the uh, republic? The, uh, thank you for your question. The, it's really important to note that the, president, the country was divided. The president had been a very divisive force. And, and he's not the only reason it's divided. But what's interesting to me, and you may find this interesting, too, uh, they had a poll the other day of Republicans in America. 53% of them said in this poll uh, that President Trump was a better president than Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> so... You see, there's some roots of uh, disagreement there. Maybe they're still fighting the Civil War. I don't know what that could be. Uh, but that's, that's uh, uh, you know, again, he has uh, fanned the flame. As, you know, he's, he's really, but some of that division was there before President Trump. But he has made it much, much worse. Uh, so it isn't. That's why I don't want to talk about him. It's about what else we can do working together for our country. What are we doing to reduce the disparity in income in America? What are we doing to make sure all children have a good education and can walk to school or whatever and play outside safely without the fear of gun violence? What are we doing uh, in in so many respects uh, to have uh, expanded freedom? And, And one of our... We have our top 10 bills. By the way, we have 400 bills sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk. And he keeps saying, all they do is impeach. And that's what No, we have 400 bills. 275 of them are bipartisan bills. 275 of them. One of them is, uh, which something we think 80, 90% of the American people support, background checks to, to reduce gun violence in our country. Why, you know, that would be a unifying thing to reduce gun violence. 25,000 people have died since we sent, uh, from gun violence, since we sent that bill to Mitchell McConnell's desk. Equal pay for equal work, respecting women, Violence Against Women Act, raising the minimum wage, the Equality Act, which is 
uh, legislation to uh, end discrimination against the LGBTQ community, uh, promoting net neutrality, uh, climate action now. The list goes on and on of the legislation that is there and some of the things we promised in the campaign, H.R. 3, uh, lowering the cost of prescription drug, H.R. 4, H.R. 1, H.R. 1, the first one, was about lowering the role of big, dark money in politics and making our political system much more wholesome. Uh, politics have never, haven't always been this way, this divisive. Uh, this is a, uh, it's going to take some healing and it's going to take some repair, not just natural healing, but repair to get us to a good place. I myself think that one of the, uh, one of the ways that America will heal is through the arts. I, I truly believe that that's something where we find our common ground. You, you enjoy music together, you see a play or movie, you laugh, you cry, you're inspired, uh, you laugh, you cry. Uh, you, the poet Shelley once wrote, um, the greatest force for moral good is imagination. Imagination, the creativity of it all, again, to share an experience in a way that puts aside your differences. Imagination to put yourself in another person's shoes. And I think that that plus a discussion, people talking to each other, that we all have much more in common than, we, that's, than divide us, and we have to find that common ground. Well, our audience has more questions for Speaker Nancy Pelosi on other subjects beyond impeachment. We'll get to those right after this quick After the break, more from CNN town halls and debates. Stay tuned. Welcome back to our CNN town hall live with Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. We are in Washington, D.C. Let's get right back to the questions from our audience. Our next question comes from Naomi Oladende. She's an independent and a junior at American University. She's from Bowie, Maryland, and has a question about the trade deal being negotiated with the U.S., Mexico, and Canada, known as the USMCA. Naomi. Good evening, Speaker Pelosi. Um, My question is, USMCA has been a topic that many lawmakers have made a point of concern um, as of lately. And um, I wanted to know if USMCA will be passed before the holiday season. USMCA will be passed when we have the language uh, that has enforcement in it. Uh, the, uh, The NAFTA, which is hopefully we will replace with this legislation, is moving forward. Uh, but we have good language in there. I myself had hoped that this could be a template for future trade agreements, that it would be so good that we would want to use it as a model as we went forward. We're not at that place because we're not at a place that has enforcement. Uh, we have issues that relate to uh, the environment, issues that relate to uh, for, uh, biologics, pharmaceutical drugs, issues that relate to workers' rights. And if, but if you don't have enforcement, you're just having a conversation, but you're not having an effective instrument for trade. And so we don't want it to be as if, well, we had NAFTA, people didn't like it, they wanted something new, so we did something a little bit better. NAFTA with sugar on top and said, okay, enjoy this, it's something different, if it really isn't good enough. But I'm optimistic, we've always tried to be on a path for, to yes uh, for this. But again, the enforcement piece is the overarching because you can have all the best language, but if you can't enforce it, then uh, you, you really haven't made much of a difference. But I'm optimistic about it. The USMCA includes certain legal protections for tech companies. Yeah. I, believe, I believe you want some of these protections for the yeah. tech companies removed, right? right? Can you explain that? Well, everything that I'm about is about the children. Uh, my why of being in politics is the one in five children in America who live in poverty, go to sleep hungry at night. I, I just, and I, my husband and I, Paul, we have five children, and we see uh, the joy of it all and want all children uh, to be able to at least have opportunity. And there are certain violations on the, uh, in the social media that are harmful to children, and we, we don't have to, we should 
adjust that. But if you have it in a trade agreement that you're not going to adjust it, then you tie the hands of those who say there could be some improvements. What modification can we make that recognizes all of the interest involved here? But I don't think we should have a business model in the tech community. And I come from the tech community, as you know, the San Francisco Bay Area. I don't think their business model should be predicated on uh, nasty stuff on social media that affects children. The federal government, as you know, is facing a possible shutdown on December 20th, just 15 days away. Do you believe that the Democratic-led House, the Republican-led Senate, and President Trump can all agree on legislation to, to fund the government, or are we headed for another shutdown? I don't think we're headed for a shutdown. I don't think anybody wants that. I think the president and the Republicans learned in the last shutdown that it, it just wasn't, it, there was no upside to it, even though the president was said, I'll take pride in shutting down government. I don't think he's going to take pride in shutting it down again. Uh, we would hope to be finished by the 21st, and we're on a good path. If we're not, we would just to go to a continued resolution until a couple, you know, until after Christmas. But I hope we don't have to do that. But I don't think anybody wants to see it shut. Let's bring in Tia Simmons. She's an independent voter. She's originally from Jacksonville, Florida. She's currently a teacher for Washington, D.C. public schools. God bless you, Tia. <laughs> Thank you. Good for um, you. <laughs> Thank you, Speaker Pelosi. My question is, you were the Speaker of the House when Obamacare was approved. How do you feel about the leading 2020 Democratic candidates wanting to do away with Obamacare and give Medicare to all? She's obviously uh, talking about Senator Sanders and Senator Warren, two of the leading candidates. Uh, uh, well, I just want to clarify because obviously some others uh, don't oh, want to do it. The benefit. With it. Yeah, okay. but, but, but uh, Medicare for all. <laughs> Warren and, uh, and Sanders are the ones that, that want to do away with Obamacare and replace it with Medicare for all. Well, I'm not for doing away with it uh, for of. Obamacare. Of course, I have a proprietary interest in it, being a speaker when it was passed, and uh, the House of Representatives played a very big role in writing that legislation, and President Obama was just such a tremendous leader. And we take great pride in the fact that not only did 20 million more people have health care, access to health care who didn't have it before, but 150 million families had access to better benefits. And I can go into them no longer being uh, uh, having a pre-existing condition deprived you of having access to affordable health care, no lifetime limits, the list goes on and on. So we're very proud of what it is. We know that we could um, improve upon it. Uh, there's certain things that have expired in it that uh, uh, need to be replaced and that there are improvements that can be made once you see the implementation of legislation. So I would rather call for health care for all Americans uh, that we... That, as we improve the Affordable Care Act, it may lead to Medicare for All. Put it all on the table, see what the benefits are to the consumer, to the patient, and when you do so, then compare it to what our other options are. I think that uh, Affordable Care Act can be a path. I wanted a public option. I didn't win in that argument in the Congress uh, last time. When we did the Affordable Care Act, I think a public option would be an improvement, the Affordable Care Act. But I don't, um, I don't, I, whatever you want to eventually have, I don't think you should do away with the Affordable Care Act to get there. It, Affordable Care Act could be a path to Medicare for all. Now, Affordable Care Act has better benefits than Medicare. And that people don't realize that. It's catastrophic, things like that. So I think that um, I'm not in agreement. I, I will... I've said to some of these people, I had that sign in my basement 30 years ago, single payer, single payer. And I got criticized for not supporting Senator Kennedy's employer-based uh, health care legislation. So we've had this debate. It's a lively debate. It's a legitimate debate. Let's, when, the, when we win the White House and the Senate uh, and the House again, let's have that conversation uh, with no prejudice toward any uh, proposal, but with an open mind the confidence about what we believe in, the humility to listen uh, to other ideas as we go forward. In fact, it's a, it's a, it is the biggest issue in the campaigns, health care, the cost of health care, cost of prescription drugs. It's a not only a health issue, it is a financial health issue. People might not realize it, but uh, protecting Obamacare was so important to you. You said that you, quote, would have been happy to go home if Hillary Clinton had won in 2016 and thus Obamacare would have been safe. So let me just ask you the next logical question. If a Democrat wins in 2020, 
um, would you feel free to go home because Obamacare would be protected or <laughs> or 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 not? Well, I'll see. I'm not on a timetable. I'm on a mission. <laughs> we'll be right back with more from our town hall with Speaker Nancy Pelosi. After the break, more from CNN town halls and debates. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Uh, thanks for joining us for our live CNN town hall with the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Let's get back to the audience. Our next question is from Addie Perlman. She's from Valdosta, Georgia. She's a uh, junior at Johns Hopkins and a registered Democrat currently supporting Senator Elizabeth Warren. Addie? Hi, thank you. Speaker Pelosi, what is Congress doing to ensure my generation will have breathable air, water we can drink, a climate that will not cause massive food shortages, and extreme temperatures that will relegate us to being cave dwellers? Should fossil, <laughs> should fossil fuel companies, utilities, and other polluters be civilly and, and criminally liable for the damage they are causing to our environment? So I uh, thank you very much for your question. I'm going to come over and answer as I just came back, as I said, uh, from uh, Spain for the COP25, the climate uh, crisis to address the climate crisis. And this is really an existential threat to the planet. You can't exaggerate. When I came home that night, I had dinner with some scientists on another subject on artificial intelligence. And they said, tell us about Spain. And I told them how close to the we are and uh, how the, attorney, the uh, um, Secretary General of the United Nations defined the challenges, how the scientists defined the challenges. At the end of my conversation, they, my presentation, they said, it's worse than that. So this is, this is as I say, if you believe this to I, that, that this is God's creation, we have a moral responsibility to be good stewards of it. But even if you don't, you just believe that we owe it to our children, to the next generation, to pass on a better planet. But in the here and now, in the here and now, it is, it is urgent. And we have passed, as I said, the climate action now. But we've had 100 hearings already on the climate crisis in the Congress. And it's a public health issue. Clean air, clean water, food safety. It's a jobs issue. Again, clean uh, jobs being preeminent in the world and uh, green technologies. It's a defense issue uh, because uh, what's happening with the, uh, with the planet, the erosion of habitat, the encroachment of deserts, the melting of glaciers, the uh, uh, drying up of rivers, all of this, the thermal management of the planet, uh, this all has an impact on uh, Competition for resources, migration, all of it. So it is a national security issue, as our generals and other uh, leaders in national security tell us. And, of course, it is a moral issue to preserve the planet. But on every, every single day, whether it's honoring the Clean Air Act, whether it is issues that relate to food safety, methane, how we handle. Right now we're having a fight in the, um, in the defense bill for PFAS. This is how you hold corporations accountable for the uh, toxics that they send forth in the air, and, and they just don't want to hold them liable. And it, it's a big fight that we are having. So there is a difference, a difference of opinion on this subject, uh, and unfortunately we haven't found as much common ground as we would like. But, you know, I have hope because of young people. Young people understand this issue. Next year, I'm ha and we're hoping... We're hoping we've sent so many environmental bills over to the Senate, so many health care bills over to the Senate and the health and environmental issues are related. Next year, I host the G7 heads of parliament. The president heads the G7 heads of state. Uh, they'll go first and then we'll have ours a couple weeks later. Ours will be in Washington, D.C. And we have the theme of ours is the climate crisis, economic, environmental Justice, justice. Whether it's whether it's um, um, indigenous people or people un in underserved areas and the rest. I spoke in Spain at the uh, Vulnerable Nations Conference. Some nations are much more vulnerable. Island populations, 
and that and uh, island uh, islands, some small, some big, some archipelagos, which have bigger places and smaller. You know, it just affects so many countries. But it's also the vulnerability of the indigenous people in these areas. So this is a global challenge that we have, and that's why we wore pins when we were said we're still we're still in. But Congress is acting very much, and I invite you to come to our hearings on the subject. While we're up, though, I see we have some veteran friends here. And if I, if I could get back to one question, what is something that can unify us? Our support for our veterans is very unified. It's not part of it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your service, and thanks for being here. Uh, we and, have a- and we owe them so much. We can never repay the debt. Indeed, we do. Uh, but we have to be uh, as unifying and nonpartisan as possible. We passed, uh, we're just about, maybe t- tomorrow we'll finish with a bill uh, for suicide prevention and mental health things. We, earlier we passed the Dorothy Sampson legislation for women vets. So, so many things. Thank you so much. Thank you. I want to bring in uh, Pavan Patel from Kenilworth, New Jersey. He's a registered Democrat. He's a senior at Johns Hopkins University studying public health. Pavan. Hi, Speaker Pelosi. Uh, your brother, Tommy D'Alessandro III, led Baltimore during the 1968 riots following the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. How do President Trump's recent comments disparaging Baltimore as a rat-infested city make you feel? And what is your vision for improving the conditions of cities like Baltimore across the country. No, thank you for your question and for my, remembering my brother Tommy. My brother Tommy was mayor of Baltimore when he was in his 30s. And his hallmark as mayor, his, his vision was to say, I want to rid our society of every vestige of discrimination. And that was his, just his call uh, to action. As far as the president is concerned, what I had said, this will sound flippant, but he should know about some of that because his son-in-law has been cited for many violations in Baltimore in the apartments that he rents out there. But the urban, our urban centers and our mayors are really uh, giving us great hope as how we can work together. While the president is out of Paris Accord, our mayors and our many states and regional uh, collaborations of multi-state collaborations are very important. And the mayors are very... My father was mayor, my brother was mayor. So I know how immediate the challenges are to mayors. And the mayors are really leading the way on so many issues in terms of, of ending disparity in income, protecting the environment. We have to, and being part of ending the climate crisis. I keep talking about that because it's an economic issue as well as a public health issue, as well as... Uh, as I said, defense and a moral issue for us. But um, I have confidence because the mayors have cities that by and large, even a city as large as Los Angeles, that is large enough to be significant, but small enough to be resilient, to try new things, uh, to make things better uh, for people. And some of the solutions that some people may have, uh, we want to make sure. Like in my city of San Francisco, the rents are so horrible and it could drive out the beautiful diversity that we have in our city, drive out families. So we have to make a decision about how we work together to keep the vitality of cities, not only to be prosperous and centers of, of economic opportunity, but also great places for families, families to live and children to flourish. Finally, I want to bring in Elena Levan. Uh, Levan. She's a Democrat from Sewell, New Jersey, and a senior at the University of Maryland. Elena. Thank you. And thank you, Speaker Pelosi. Um, This impeachment process is historical. How do you want to be remembered as a part of it? As part of it? No, I want to be part, remembered as part of the Affordable Care Act about, uh, I want to be, (laughs) Uh, I I have to admit that today was quite historic. It was um, taking us, crossing a threshold on this uh, that we just had no choice. Uh, I do hope uh, that it would be remembered in a way that honors the vision of our founders, uh, what they had in mind for establishing a democracy, first time it ever, ever was established in the history of the world. And when they did, one of the things, I keep quoting some of their things, but one of the things they did 
that I think is very important to remember in conjunction with today is they, on the, seal, the great seal of the United States, it says, Novos Order, Ordo Seclorum, New Order for the Ages. They had such confidence in what they were doing. They had such optimism that every generation would take the responsibility to carry this forward. So it was for the ages, this new order, this democracy. And that is what is, I find in jeopardy in what the president is doing, this, this march to the future. And by the way, one of the, one of the grievances that the, the founders had with the king is he was interfering with the naturalization of newcomers to their colonies. Imagine, that's in the Declaration of Independence. Look, look it up. Uh, but, the, <laughs> but they saw... They saw that America would be invigorated, reinvigorated by newcomers to our country, and that it would be called the American dream, that making the future better, and that every new group of people who came with their hopes, dreams, aspirations, determination to make the future better for their children and their family, well, those are American traits, and all those newcomers make America more American. And so that is the spirit, the vision of our founders the sacrifice of our men and women in uniform to keep us the home of the brave, the land of the free, and the aspirations of our children so that they have every opportunity and remove all doubt that the planet will not be intact for them. And and uh, our dear Elijah Cummings, who passed away, as you know, was a big loss for us, same week as my brother Tommy, and a, a double loss for me. But... Elijah used to say all the time, uh, our children are our messengers to a future we will never see. We want them to be very prepared in terms of values that they take into the future, but we also want that future to be better for our children. So this is all about the children. And again, that's why we're so excited about this health care bill, the, the prescription drug bill that we will be introduced. We'll have a press conference in the morning. Uh, on this, and this is about, it's about making the uh, prescription drugs cheaper by having the um, uh, power to negotiate for lower prices. It's about uh, pegging the price of our drugs compared to what it is in other countries so we don't pay any more than 120% of something there. It's transformative in what it does for the savings that we have from that will go to Medicare for additional benefits, whether it's hearing, dental, eye, just say visual already, hearing, uh, dental. That's, that's the biggest improvement to Medicare since it was established. And the other benefits as well. Uh, the list goes on. So it's about everything we do is supposed to be about getting results for the American people. We hope that we can always find common ground. We have a responsibility to do so in a bipartisan way. But if we don't, we cannot say, well, we are just not going down that path. Uh, So in any case, it's pretty exciting to have the role, to be here at this time. Uh, I would hope that the legacy would be one of respect, one of fairness, and one of honoring my oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States from all enemies, foreign and domestic. So help me God. And with that... Madam Speaker, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. Thank you to our studio audience for your wonderful questions. And that concludes this episode of CNN Town Halls and Debates, your direct source to the people shaping your world. To make sure you're always a part of the conversation, subscribe on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. For even more updates, follow us on Twitter at CNN Podcasts. When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 Smart Bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii.
Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 